Thank you, Jeff. Praise the Lord. Well, we welcome you today. We're glad you're here. As uh, Trey welcomed you earlier, I want to welcome you guys online as well as those in the uh, service today. Uh, Pastor Chester and I were talking earlier, and he had a great quote. He, he, he told his wife, Miss Barbara, this morning, he says, Honey, we're going to church. We may be the only ones there. It's cold outside, and it's COVID crazy, and we're going to church. And so, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you guys are here. God bless you all. Happy New Year. And I uh, hope you're off to a great start. I know many of you are at home, and, and I'm hearing more and more people struggling with COVID and this new Omicron. Just know we miss you. We pray for you, and uh, we're delighted. Others of you are struggling with uh, cancer treatments, and I know you're at home as well. And so God bless you. We are, um, we're honored that we can speak to you today and encourage you, though not physically. Um, I want to mention this before I, before I get into my message, because I know once I get to preaching, I, I forget my mind sometimes. I just get so excited. Um, there's a brand new uh, Median Singles Connect Group class starting next Sunday. I'm excited about this, January the 9th. And so if your age is between 39, well, 30s to the 40s in that age bracket, uh, they're going to meet up in, um, uh, it's called the Navigators, which I love that name, uh, next week, C213 at 9 30 it's one of our brand new connect groups and miss Ayala lopez god bless you guys daniel thank you all for putting all this together it's going to be a great i think it's going to be a great a great class and uh, i know many of you will want to go uh, to that all right so we're going to start off with a brand new uh, um, year a brand new sermon i was telling ken farmer earlier we just ordained ken to the gospel ministry not long ago just last year i feel like sometimes i ought to preach this message every year and uh, you know there's some sermons that God gives you and you, you want to share them. You, you're Not that I don't want to share all my sermons, but this one in particularly, okay, <laughs> in particularly, I want to share this one because it talks about just stepping out in faith, trusting God in the midst of the obstacles and the difficulties, and just doing some unprecedented, unparalleled things, maybe things that you've never thought of or maybe even thought you could never do them. How about walking on water? There's only two people we know about in the Bible that actually walked on the water. Do y'all know who those people were, anybody? Jesus and who? And Peter. Isn't that cool? Y'all remember that. And so our text today is stepping out in faith. It's Matthew chapter 14. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture, but I want to make sure I read it all so that you get the context as well as the main text that I'll be preaching from, which is in verse 27. And so the title of the message is Stepping Out in Faith. We're glad that you're here. God bless you. The Lord is here. He wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you today, as I do as well. And so may the Lord just use me as I speak this uh, message on stepping out uh, in faith. Here's the text. Immediately, and you'll hear this word a few times in this passage of Scripture. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. He sent them away. Please remember that. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they said, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Here's the main text. I really want you to get verse 27. But immediately, 
Jesus spoke to them, and he said three things to them. He said, be of good cheer. A really good translation of that phrase in Greek would be, take courage. Now, be courageous. Secondly, it is I, ergo ami in Greek. Literally, it reads, I am. Okay, I am. And then he says, stop being afraid. All right, and Peter don't you love Peter? Come on, church. You got to love Peter. I mean, he, he reminds me of us, you know? I mean, he gets excited sometimes. He, he says things he shouldn't say. He says things he should say. And this is one of them. When he said, Lord, if that is you, now remember, it's, it's dark. The wind is blowing. Jesus is standing there on the, on the uh, Sea of Galilee. Lord, if that is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he did what, church? Come on now. I mean, read this with me as if this was the first time you ever read it. There is a human being defying gravity walking on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretched out his hand, pushed his head under the water and said, you heathen reprobate, how dare you not trust me? Is that what y'all's Bible says? Aren't you glad the Bible doesn't say that, that when we doubt sometimes, when we worry sometimes, we're in a bad way sometimes, Jesus doesn't just press us down and, and he says, come on now, let me lift you up. Now watch what Jesus does. He rebukes him. He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? And then they got into the boat and the wind ceased. Verse 33 says, Then those who were in the boat, that would be the rest of the disciples, whom Jesus made, get in the boat, go to the other side. Please keep that in mind. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him. And they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And Father, we thank you for your word today. It is rich, it is powerful. Lord, it is life-giving, sustaining health to our flesh, Lord, life to our bones. We're praying now that you'd speak to us, God, as we've already read the word, as we've worshiped you, as we've prayed to you. We're praying now that you'd speak, oh God, speak to me, through me, that I would be a mouthpiece, Lord, your vessel that you would use today for your glory, for the furtherance, God, of your kingdom, for the encouragement of your people, and for those who don't know you yet, Lord, who have not placed their faith totally in Christ Christ alone for salvation. We're praying that today would be their day as they step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite songs is a song by Chris McClarney. He's a new artist, at least he's new to me in the Christian contemporary world. And he has a song called Speak to the Mountains. Has anybody heard this song on the radio? It is so powerful. And some of the lyrics go like this. Why would I worry... It's hard for me to read it without singing it, but I'm not going to sing it because Jeff needs to sing it because it's like up in the stratosphere kind, kind of thing. Why would I worry when giants come calling my name? My God is so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for riches or power or fame? Oh, because my God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken I won't be moved. My God is faithful. His promise is true, so here's what I'll do. I'll speak to the mountains. Oh, it's time to move because my God is 
my God is bigger, bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. Isn't that good? I'll speak to uh, the mountains. The message today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, though Mark and John also record it. Luke is the only one that doesn't record this story of Jesus walking on the water and then Peter coming uh, to him. There's so many valuable lessons in this text, not just in verse 27, which that's where we'll camp out in just a moment, but there's just so much. One of the things I really want you to glean from this passage of scripture, and it's this thought, and I don't want us to get lost or miss this thought, is that Jesus Christ is God, okay? He is God. He is sovereign God. Some of the same terminology, phrasing, that is used of Yahweh, in the Old Testament is directly applied to Jesus here in the New Testament. So the gospel writers are wanting you and I to know that Jesus Christ is not a mere mortal. He is not just a a human being. He is fully human, and yet he is fully God. He is Lord, okay? He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth, Lord of sea, Lord of air, Lord of the, the darkness. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, in verse 33, the apostles, the disciples understood that. Why? Why do we know that? Because they worshiped him. Did y'all see that a minute ago? They worshiped him and they said, well, truly you are the son of God because he had miraculously revealed himself uh, because who can do that? I mean, who can walk on water? And Jesus did. Nobody can do that unless Jesus empowers them to do that. and, And Peter did. Speaking of Peter, he is not the key figure in the text but I love him. Uh, of all the apostles, I, I really think I relate more to him. I, I can be contemplative and a little bit, you know, meditative like John. I can certainly doubt like Thomas, but I can stick my foot in my mouth like Peter, you know, and I can, I can do great things for the Lord and then I can do crazy things. But you know what? I would rather have an apostle Peter kind of person um, here, here's the way one person said it. I would rather be a wet sinner than a dry boat dweller. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'd rather be a wet sinner than a dry. But you know, he, he reminds me of a little boy named Johnny. And I heard Zig Ziglar tell this story years ago. He said, little Johnny, every teacher has a little Johnny. Y'all with me now? He's always getting in trouble. He's always Apostle Peter, like saying stuff he shouldn't say, when he shouldn't say it, always interrupting the teacher. Can I get a witness? Does anybody have a Johnny in your class? Juan, you were that Johnny. That's what you're trying to say, right? You were him. That's it. And so they come back from spring break, and she asks the question, and she said, okay, boys and girls, that's like fourth grade, third, fourth grade, and said, um, anybody want to tell us what you did for your uh, spring break? Ooh, 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 ooh. She's raising his hand. And she's like, oh, goodness, what tall tale is he going to tell this time to me and all the class? But she couldn't, she couldn't just ignore him. I mean, he's, he's like, he's so excited. And she goes, okay, Johnny, what did you do for spring break? Oh, teacher, I'll tell you what we did. My dad and I went fishing, and we caught 75 catfish, and they all weighed 75 pounds. And she just shook her head. But she said, you know, I've had enough. I'm going to teach him a lesson today. Today's the day. She said, now, little John, surely you cannot imagine that we, any of your classmates or I, would believe such a tall tale. That would be like me telling you today that on my way to school, I'm driving down the neighborhood, and all of a sudden, are you listening, little Johnny? All of a sudden, an 800-pound grizzly bear comes 
comes out of the neighborhood and just starts terrorizing everybody. And all of a sudden, a little poodle, a little eight-pound poodle comes out of the house, grabs that grizzly bear by the neck, throws it down, and kills the grizzly bear. Now, would you believe that, Johnny? He said, yes, ma'am, that's my dog you're talking about right there. That's my dog, and I, I, I love that. That, that vivacious, you know, excited, optimistic. I think that's Peter right here. He's, he's, at, he's living his best life, y'all. He's stepping out of the boat. He's optimistic. He's looking to Jesus. And we're going to see some fun things out of this, this text. Now, a little background on this text. And I don't want to get too deep in the nuances of Greek and Septuagint and Hebrew, but I do think it's important. And if I use words that you don't understand, I want to make sure that I can phrase it in, in a way that you, you do understand. But I don't know about y'all, but I like to be challenged. I was reading... Uh, the, last night, I don't know what got into me, but I came across Archimedes' Law of Physics, and it took me about an hour, and I figured it out last night. And as I was reading and, and studying the history of it and the buoyancy of water, why ships float and why rocks sink, I was fascinated with that as I paused the Ole Miss football game and, and studied physics last night for about an hour. Some of you are looking at me like, you need a life, brother. I'm telling you, 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 need, you need a life. But that, to me, I love to learn even things like, like that, that. So here it is. I don't want to lose you in this, but this is really important. In Mark's gospel, he records that when Jesus was on the water, he would have passed them by. Now you can check that. You can cross-reference that. Um, John doesn't say that. Matthew doesn't say that. But Mark does. Mark says that Jesus would have, okay, let's say the pulpit is the boat and they're freaking out, right? They're bouncing up and down on the water and here comes Jesus and he would have walked right by them, passed them by. Now, why does Mark say that? A couple of reasons. One, some commentators believe that Mark records that because he's testing them. He wants to see if they will get their eyes off the storm long enough to put their eyes on Jesus and that they would trust in him. I think that's part of the answer, but I really think the best answer is what I'm about to share with you. When you translate this, this Greek word, it's called par erkomai. Okay, that's the Greek word translated, he would have par erkomai, he would have passed them by. That is the word that is translated, when, when the Hebrew is translated into the Greek, that's called the Septuagint, the LXX, the 70, okay? The Greek translation of the Hebrew is called the Septuagint. This word, Parochamai is the word used in 2 Kings. This is so cool. In Exodus and in 2 Kings. Remember when the Bible says that, and the Lord passed by Moses, right? And he saw his, his backside. As the Lord passed by, it's called a theophany. It's when God makes an appearance or God reveals himself in a supernatural special way. In Kings, 2 Kings, when Elijah is, is on the mountain and, and, and it says, and the Lord passed him by, that word is used, par to describe the Hebrew text that I just gave to you. You say, why is that so important? Come on now, watch this. I got chill bumps on me. The same phrasing that they would use to describe the Old Testament God of the Jews, Yahweh, is the same word used to describe Jesus. I don't want that to be lost on us. That's significant. 
because as Yahweh would pass by, it says Jesus uh, is passing by. All right, that's a little bit of context, a little bit of the background before we get into the, uh, to the make sure I got everything here. Parukamai, got it. Okay, here we go. Y'all ready? You say, well, what have you been doing the last 10 minutes? Well, I'm getting ready. Right, I'm getting ready to share this message with you. There are three things I want you to get from this text, and I hope it encourages you. Hope it speaks to you. I hope it's already spoken to you because we're talking about the divinity, the deity of Jesus Christ. You could say, well, this is a Christophany. The same language, and you'll see it here again in a moment, that is only reserved for Almighty God, Yahweh, is applied to this person. Now, this is either blasphemy, okay, or he is God. You, we, gotta, we gotta decide. This is either blasphemy or, or this is, is God. All right, so here we go. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and he said, be of good cheer or take courage. It is I, do not be uh, afraid. To be of good cheer. We already read that the reason they are so frightened, the Greek word is phantasma. It's like a phantom. They thought they saw a ghost, right? And they're like, oh, I mean, they're just like, what is that? There's somebody walking on the water and, and, and they're just really, really nervous and, and fearful and frightened. What is this person gonna do? They come to bring us harm. What is this? And so Jesus comes into focus and he tells them three things. He says, okay, first of all, you know, you gotta have courage, guys. Look, look here. Do you recognize it's me and not just it's me, but he says these words, ergo I me. He says, I am. And I think when he said those words, I think all of heaven and all of earth just kind of stopped for a minute. Because there he is. He is the great I am. This is Exodus 34. This is when Yahweh reveals himself saying, I am. I am he who was. This is, this is Jehovah. This is Yahweh. I am he who was and is and forever will be. Now, in John chapter 8, the last part of that chapter, when Jesus Christ said these words to the Jews and to the Pharisees, and he told them, he said, look, I am, I am. What did they do? They reached for a stone. They tried to kill him. Why? Because he equated himself with God. He is claiming deity. He is claiming to be God. Now you and I read that today and we go, well, of course it is because Jesus is the son of God. He is God come in the flesh. But back then, as he is revealing himself, this is brand new. This is new to everybody, right? Never been done before, never will be done before. All right, so they, they're picking up stones. They're trying to kill him, but God, Jesus, just kind of walks through the crowd. So he's standing there on the Sea of Galilee, and he says, okay, be courageous. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. All right, look at me. I am. I'm the one who created this whole thing. <laughs> I created you, I created the water, the waves, the wind. I am, does anybody need to hear that today? That God is, he is in control. And then he tells them, stop, stop being what? Fearful or stop being uh, afraid. I don't wanna bore you with all the syntax and the grammar, but I got real excited when I discovered this. It's not just don't be, af don't be afraid, it's stop, and it's an imperative. Stop being afraid. Before you and I can jump out of the boat, and walk on water, or do anything of great value and significance, we have to stop being afraid. Now, fear 
and its icy tentacles wraps around our passion, wraps around our heart, and it chokes us. And I, I battle this hideous monster. Anybody else battle this? This thing of fear, whether it's fear of death or fear of uh, the future or fear of the unknown or, uh, or fear that you may get this, this virus. I mean, fear is so palpable, it's so prominent in our culture, in our world today. And what a great message for you and me to hear today. Jesus says, all right, you're my child. Be courageous, I am God, stop being afraid. Woo, man, verse 27, thank you, Lord. Maybe I should preach this every year, if not for anybody else, for me. Number two, he says, get out of the boat. Step out of the boat. And that's verse 29. Do you think Peter was a little fearful <laughs> about stepping out of the boat? I mean, I can just, I don't know, I, I just see it. You know, the wind and the waves, you know, and, and Peter's like, oh, he's looking down in the water. And like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, Jesus. Really, is that all right? Come on, come on, Peter. Oh, come on now. And he steps in. He's like, oh, can you imagine for a few moments what that was like? You're defying gravity. You're supposed to sink. Our committee's rules are not applying to you. You're supposed to sink at this moment, all right? Gravity is supposed to take over. And yet for a few moments there, there's only one other person got to experience that. Only one person ever besides Jesus, and that was Peter. I think he was fearful. I think he was, <laughs> he was probably questioning his sanity. But he's like, you know what? I believe. Jesus, I believe. I believe you are who you are and you, you've invited me to come and so here I come. Courage is not the absence of fear. You've heard this before, but it's moving on in spite of it. You know, there. do y'all have dreams like that? Does anybody have big dreams to do crazy things like walk on water or... I have some, some crazy dreams. There's some things that I wanna do that... Uh, I remember telling a good friend of mine, and um, he's, he's a pastor in, um, in, in South Carolina. His son's name is Mac Brock, who's a Christian contemporary uh, artist. But Don Brock, are a really close friend of mine, and, but he hurt me on this day. And, and I, I, I told him, I said, Don, I got some big dreams. And I told him what they were. He goes, Danny, you got about as much chance of doing that as you have going to the moon. In other words, that's, that's probably not gonna happen. But guess what? He was wrong. He was wrong. It's October 31st. It was Halloween. It was 2003, and I got to do one of my dreams. I'm not going to tell y'all what the other one is because you might laugh at me. You might pull a dawn on me and laugh at me, but hey, if God can let me do this, God can let me do anything. You say, are, how, are these real spiritual things? No, they're really not that spiritual. I think I'm gonna learn some spiritual lessons from them. So let me back up in time when I'm pastoring in another state in Virginia, and there is a, um, a three-star general that starts attending our church. His name is Bruce Wright. I shared this story with our church many, many years ago, but many of y'all haven't heard this story, but let me tell it to you. He started attending our church, him and his family. Uh, I got an opportunity to uh, lead him to Christ. He, he prayed to receive Christ. Dave, that's, that's big stuff, three-star general. You know, comes to church, wants to meet with me. I met with him, led him to Christ, led his daughter to Christ and baptized them. And we had a, we had a great 
just a great time in the Lord. He and I are still good friends to this day. And so we're out on the golf course. He loved to play golf. And uh, I don't know if you've ever played golf with a general, but if you play golf with a general, where's Ralph? Ralph, you would love this. They shut the whole course down. Nobody can play except the general and his, hello, party over here, me. Me and the general are going to play golf, and they shut the whole thing down. About halfway through the round, I've never experienced this, but, man, they start playing the national anthem. The, the general drops his clubs. He stands to attention, and I'm going, what am I supposed to do? And I just stood there to attention, and, they, and he just stopped, and he's just saluting. The, That's pretty cool stuff. Then an F-15 fighter jet goes right overhead. And I was like, wow, man. That's dream number one. I've always wanted to fly in an F-15 fighter jet. Am I crazy? Is anybody else ever? Okay, anyhow. You'd like to? Well, the general looked at me and said, would you like to fly in that jet? And I was like, dude, are you serious? I would love to fly in an F-15 fighter jet. And he said, well, we can make that happen. And he said, I'd much rather do that for my pastor than any senator or anybody in Hollywood. I was like, God bless you, brother. God bless you. This is, this, this is so good. This is so good. He wasn't joking. I got a phone call from the Langley Air Force Base. And they said, at 0800, you, you come October 31st, and you're going you're gonna to live one of your dreams. You're going to fly in the back seat of an F-15 fighter jet. And I was like... Oh, my word, this, this can't be happening to me. It can't be happening to me. So I get there, and, and when I show up, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to, you know, make sure it's me. They're going to talk to me for about 30 minutes, and then they're going to put me in the jet. I'm going to fly. I'm going to live to tell about it. It's going to be awesome. That is not what happened. That is not what happened at all. In fact, when I got there, it got real serious. I mean, they were like, okay, sir, Here's what you need to do. And, and they took me to this room and they fitted me in some big old helmet kind of thing. I said, oh, this is, this is different, you know? And then they said, well, here, here's this G suit. You got to put this suit on. I said, what, what is that? And they said, what's a G suit? Constricts. Because when you're up there doing some things you're going to be doing, you're going to need this. I'm like, what, what do you mean? No, come over here. Come over here. We're going to take you and you're going to practice parachuting. <laughs> I said, what, what are you talking about? Pra I don't even know if they practice it. There's a pilot. He going to be flying the plane. It's all going to be great. They said, sir, you need to understand something. And they got real serious, got in my face. They said, what happens, what happens to you if something happens to this pilot? You got to do one of two things. You got to land this $22 million aircraft or you got to get out. So listen carefully. I was like, snap. I don't know if I want to do this or not. I, I was getting fearful. I mean, I was afraid. I was like, y'all people need to calm down. They said, no, sir, this is very serious stuff. And I was like, well, what, what do you do? And they said, all right, code word. Here's the code. And I was like, okay, code. I, they said, remember this. Remember this word. If something happens to him, when you say this word, you're going to eject. You push this button and you get out. I said, well, what happens when I eject? They said, you got a parachute. I said, well, how do you do that? They said, well, come to the simulator. We'll teach you. Oh, my word. I was in the trees. I was on the ground. I was, I was dying. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I said, I just, I, I'm, I'm, this is, thank you, General Wright. But, and then something told me, he says, like, look, you've always wanted to do this. Get yourself in there and go do it. So I met Ogre. <laughs> He's a pilot. He was my pilot. Do we have a picture of Ogre and Pastor Danny? I think we do. Let's, let me show you all this. I hope y'all, right, there we go. Just to prove that I'm not telling a joke. That is the, the 
that is it on the left. That's an F-15 fighter jet, and that is me. I was about 15 pounds heavier there, um, right here and right here. It's before I started really exercising. And that guy right there told me, Brother Danny, go eat some bananas. I said, why in the world would I eat bananas? He said, because they taste the same coming up as they do going down. <laughs> David, I did it. You've done this. You, you've flown these things. And Fred Erickson, God bless you. You're at home. And I want to tell you, also, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced in my life. We took off. He got permission and we went vertical. We literally started taking off and he went vertical. He goes, look behind you. And I looked behind me and there it was. We were leaving planet Earth. And I was like, oh, and then we were like pulling G's, you know, and the G constricts. And then he was doing all these maneuvers. And then he went, okay, it's pastor, it's yours. You fly this thing. I was like, what? I grabbed the, the, the stick and I was like, whoa, man, we're going this way and that way. We kept flying around. I got so sick, I got violently sick. I threw up 12 times. I counted in my little bag. I didn't care, I didn't care. We landed and the general was waiting on me when we landed, I kid you not, David. He walked over to me, he saw the look on my face, he just reached down and grabbed my bag. He took my bag, did with it. He said, oh, kid, you can't make this up. He said, are you ready? I said, ready for what? He said, let's go play golf. I said, okay, we did, we did. <laughs> and I shot one of my best rounds ever. Isn't that crazy? I always, rem I always remember that. Uh, you, what's that? I did eat the bananas. It was awful because I threw them up. I threw up 12 times. I really, I really did. So why are you shared that? Well, to me, that's like walking on water. That's like big dreams. And I, I tell people, I encourage people, especially younger people, students. Man, if you have a dream, go for it. Chase it, run after it. It could be God would just let you do it. He would let you experience something like that. Peter, here we are 2,000 years later reading about a guy, a mere human being mortal that got to walk on the water. So stop being afraid. Number two, get out of the boat. A book I read years ago that really helped me with this message is called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Gotta Get Out of the Boat by John uh, Ort, Ort, Ortberg is his name. And it's so true. If you and I are gonna do great things for God, we have to, we have to believe. <laughs> That's a word we use a lot in our house, isn't it, Ashley? Do you believe? Do you believe God? Do you have faith? Do you trust God? And then you gotta step out in faith. Now, I don't know what, I'm gonna allegorize, do a little metaphor here with you. Don't, don't judge me too harshly or, or accuse me of eisegesis and that, and that sort of stuff. But just allow me for just a moment. I don't know what your boat is. I don't know what you're fearful of. And it may be, it may be something negative, right? It may be you fear death. Uh, you fear really committing your life to God because you don't know what God's going to do with you. If you surrendered it, you, you've heard this before. If I, if I become a Christian, oh my word, God might really save me and send me as a missionary to Africa. Boy, we hear that all the time, right? Your marriage, maybe you're really struggling. You may have children who are rebelling against God. And you find yourself encapsulated in a boat with fear 
and doubt and worry, or maybe something real positive. It may be God, he's spurring you on. He's ready for you to ask her out, literally. Ask, you, can't get, you can't get married unless you date her, right? You, so you gotta step out on faith and say, Lord, here we go. I'm gonna ask her out on a date. You say, well, that's, uh, that sounds mundane. It's not mundane if you're the one, right? What about going on a mission trip? I talk to people all the time. Well, one day, one day, oh, maybe when Omicron, when the next variant, when it, when it subsides or whatever, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll go on that trip. I'll, I'll go on that mission trip. I'll, I'll start, I'll talk to Jeff. You know, I, I know I can play. I know I can sing. God has gifted me. I'll do that. I'll do that one day. I'll talk to Ross one day, you know, about starting a class and helping with the connect group the Sunday school. I, I, I'll do that one day or I'll, I'll let you know that one day, one day, one day, next thing you know, you're dead and you're done. I wonder what it is. I wonder what God is saying to you that he's saying, okay, stop being afraid and let's go. Step out, step out in faith. The next thing I wanna share with you is the final thing is stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. And in verse 30 and 31, Peter takes his eyes off of the Lord and things start going bad, right? And I wanna encourage you with this and I also wanna warn you, mark it down. Whenever you attempt anything great for God, they're gonna be massive, boulder-like, prodigious obstacles. It's just gonna happen. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna list some of them to you. These obstacles will come in the form of challenging circumstances, just mean people who don't believe in you. They're gonna throw not gas on your dream fire, but they're gonna throw water on it. Just anticipate that. Hardships, doubts, lack of resources, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of things, just anticipate them because whenever you start hearing God and you start getting excited and, and you, you start crawling out of the, the boat and, and the enemy sees it, the devil sees it, the demons see it, and so they're gonna throw it all at you. The doubt, the fear, the worry, I can't, I can't, I can't. And the next thing you know, you can't. You didn't. You got in the boat and you lived your life. I just don't wanna be that guy. I don't wanna be that gal. If God's in it, let's go for it. If he's not, he'll close it down, right? But let it not be because we didn't try or that we didn't believe. Giving up takes no courage. One of my favorite stories of George Mueller, man of God, man of faith in the 19th century in Bristol, England, he was a pastor and I've read his biography, and I would encourage you to read it. It's written by a married couple named Jeff and Janet Benge, B-E-N-G-E. It's called George Mueller. And I tell you all of that, and I'll even give you the page number. It's on pages 166 to 168, because what I'm about to tell you, you're not going to believe it. So I footnoted it for you. I didn't make it up. So they're doing ministry and Bristol, England, life is good. The church, preacher of the church is just growing, exploding in growth. They started their own seminary within the church, a theological institution. I mean, they were just doing great things. And then a little street urchin, a little child comes up to Pastor Mueller and he's starving, he's hungry. And, and he feels like the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you need, to, you need to not only provide for him, but for hundreds of children just like him. And he told his wife, and uh, actually she wasn't, she wasn't in a good way that day. She was like, what? We can't.
can't do that. I mean, look, I mean, you're stretched so thin already. You're teaching at the school. You're, you're pastoring these churches. Churches is growing. What, what do you mean start an orphanage? She, he, she said, honey, he said, honey, I believe the Holy Spirit has really spoken to me. And I love what she says now. She says, okay, I'm in. If that's what we're supposed to do, then let's start the, oh my goodness, here they come. They built building after building after building. Next thing you know, they have 300 orphans in their orphanage. They gather together, true story. They're ready for, they got their little uniforms on. They're about to go to school. And George Mueller says, okay, boys and girls, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's have our blessing. Let's pray. And the cooks and the chefs and the workers are going, oh my goodness, he's lost his mind. We've already told him there is no food. There's no food. There's no bread. There's no milk. Why in the world is George Mueller going to pray when there's nothing to bless? He started praying. And he thanked God for the food they're about to receive. He thanked God for the provision of the nourishment. God, you've always come through before. We're asking you to come through now. So we're praying and we're praying in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, somebody get the door. Somebody get that door. Amen, amen. This baker looks at uh, the person who opens the door and says, Y'all, you, po- you folks gonna think I'm crazy. I'm telling you, this, this is a true story. I, I, I got up at two o'clock this morning. I could not sleep. I fe- I, it had to be God. I don't know what, I don't know who else would be telling me this. Said, get up, bake some extra bread today because somebody's gonna need it. Y'all wouldn't happen to need any, any bread, would you, today of all days? I don't, I don't know. Pastor Mueller just started smiling. Said, bring them on in, bring it on in. Say, somebody get the door. And this guy, he, he wasn't quite as spiritual. He was just kind of, he's kind of rough around the edges and he was mad, probably cussing and said, you, you people need any milk? Is my man blank, blank my carts, the wheels falling off and I'm gonna lose all this milk. Y'all don't need it, do you? Y'all know any people like that? <laughs> God can use a donkey, amen? God can use anybody. And they're like, can we use it? Yes, 10 canisters of milk. And they go in, all the children eat, all the children drink in Jesus' name, amen, and they go to school. Wow. I've got a story like that that happened a few days ago, and I'm gonna tell it to you two weeks from today. And so, well, tell me now. Nope, not gonna tell you now. Miss Judy, it's better than the story I just told you. It's better, and it has to do with Great Hills, somebody help me, country club, no, Great (laughs) Hills Baptist Church, it happened. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm still, I'm still in awe, I'm in tears when I share with you in two weeks what I saw God do. A prayer that he answered, that I was, uh, I'm going to be honest, I was beginning to doubt, God, could you, would you do this? Ah. Peter got in trouble when he took his eyes off the Lord. And he started looking at the waves, the wind, the sea, and all the obstacles, and that's when he began to sink. And that's when you and I sink. I know times get hard. I know pressure comes, temptation comes, and we all, we all have our bad days, right? Man, I have my fair share, and I know you do too. 
And we disappoint God, we disappoint our families. We're like, oh, you knucklehead, boneheaded decision. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Jesus, God reaches down and he pulls Peter up. He didn't let him die, he didn't let him sink. But he didn't let him go, didn't, didn't let him go without telling him something. Peter, why did you doubt? Would y'all not agree that we get in our most trouble when we doubt God? We don't trust God. We can't see. And God says, trust me. All we can see is the wind and the waves. And God says, trust me. I'm there. I'm there. One, one more story and then, I, then I'll let you go. Um, but I feel like I need to share, share this one. And by the way, when I start talking about this story, don't get any wild ideas that this is Brother Danny's second big time dream because I have no desire to climb Mount Everest. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I, I don't like cold weather that much. I, I just could never, ever do it. <laughs> Sir Edmund Hillary had gone on multiple expeditions to climb Mount Everest and he failed and he failed and he failed. In fact, the last time he failed, six men died. Six men died. And so he's thinking, you know what? Maybe this is a dream I should just let go because I'm probably gonna kill myself up there on that mountain myself. But he said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And so he literally by himself, <laughs> he walks up, nobody's around. He goes to the mountain, to Mount Everest, 29,000 feet. And he looks up at it and he tells the mountain, he starts talking, mm, speak to the mountain, it's time to move. He said, let me tell you something. You, Mount Everest, are as big as you ever gonna be, but I am still growing and I will conquer you yet. And he did. He went out, took a group and he, Summited, he made it to the height, 29,000 feet, planted a flag, and that was the first of many times, and he did it. Now, I want to encourage you with something. You and I probably ought to have had a conversation with the devil sometime and just say, let me tell you something. You're going to burn in hell forever and ever, and I'm going to live with Jesus forever and ever, so take that. Mm, 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 just take that. And, just, and when he reminds you, you know, of your past and your failures, here's a good word. Just remind him of his future, all right? And just tell him, Jesus is my king. He is God. He's in control. And, and I'm going to trust in him, come what may. So, number one, stop being afraid. Number two, get out of the boat, whatever that boat is. And number three, stay focused on Jesus. I ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a time of meditation and prayer and thought as we pray together, as we wrap up our service today. And those of you that are online, God bless you. Love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, uh, you have something you want to ask us, or maybe you just want to do a shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Maybe God really spoke to you today. He encouraged you. Maybe you're here in the, in the sanctuary. And you feel like God really, really spoke to you today. It's unexpected. You thought you were just doing business as usual, going to church, check, putting off the checklist, and you were surprised because God really, really spoke to you today. What did he say? 
What is he saying to you? Is he saying to you what he said to the disciples? Stop being afraid. I am, I am. Do not fear. Some of you need to step out of your boat of, and really it's just the boat of lostness and the boat of searching and, and you just need to come to God by faith and trust in him. Uh, no man can say Jesus is Lord apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's here. He's working in your life, in your heart. He's convincing you. He's, he's convicting you. And you have an opportunity to do one of two things. You can, you can say, uh, no, 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 I don't wanna do that, not today. Or you can say, today is the day. I'm praying for you right now. And I, I believe there are many, many people praying for you right now that you would say yes, yes to God. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you pray. You say, God, help me. It's not the eloquence of your words. It's the attitude of your heart. You, you can just cry out to God, God, save me. Or God, I give you my life. Or Lord, I give up. I surrender all. And God takes it from there. If you really mean that, I'm telling you, God will step into your empty heart. He'll take up residence. He'll fill you with joy and passion and dreams. And will it be easy? Absolutely not. But will it be worthwhile? We'll rejoice forever in heaven over your decision today. Would you give your life to the Lord today? Online, just say, yes, Lord. Right here in the sanctuary, say, yes, Lord. And as you pray and ask the Lord to save you, please, please let us know about it. Did you see that young man in the baptistry today? Ooh, man, he was smiling from ear to ear and he was just so, he was so happy and so joyful. And that's the joy of Jesus. That's the joy of obedience. That's the joy of surrender. And I invite you to give your life to the Lord today. We're gonna to stand in a moment. We'll have men and women of God appear at the altar and we'll receive you, whatever your decision is. Maybe it's just to, to come say, I, today's my day. Or maybe you're here today and you know the Lord, you love the Lord. The fear has paralyzed you. It's gripped your passions and your dreams and and they begin to fade, right? They begin to fade. Pray the Holy Spirit would rekindle the fire. He would remind you that He is good. He is God. He still has a plan. It may look different. <laughs> can, can I just go ahead and say, it probably will be different from what you thought it was. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because my God is bigger, better, stronger, greater than you. God is bigger, better, stronger, and greater. Let's just let God be God. Say, okay, I'm willing, Lord, I'll, I'm stepping out. I'll surrender to the gospel ministry. If that's what you're asking me to do, then I'll, I'll do it. Lord, if it's to be a part of this body of Christ, this church, okay, here I am, I'll do it. Maybe you need to resign something. Maybe you need to quit something or maybe you need to start something. I, I don't know, but God knows and you know, and you know what he's telling you right now, right? What are you gonna do about it? I'm inviting you. I really am, I'm praying for you. You know, the burden when it's shared, it's just half as heavy. The joy when it's shared, it's doubled. And I, I'm gonna encourage you. We'll have our invitation. I'm, I'm serious, in just a moment. We're, we're all gonna stand and... We'll be singing and, and we'll be praying, but don't let this moment pass you by. 
Could it be this is your time? This is your time. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit that you would draw men and women, God, students, single adults, boys and girls, married couples, older people, whoever they are, draw them, God, to yourself in relationship, commitment, and draw them, Lord, to passion and joy and, and the glory that you have for them. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand up. God bless you as you come. We'll welcome you. We'll greet you. Jeff, you come and lead us as we sing.